Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. the Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. As always, I'm your host, Tia, and today I'm really excited about this episode because normally when we do the Top 10, we figure out what we're going to do on, say, the Wednesday beforehand, but this one I have had planned for quite some time because it is the Top 10 Favorite American Gods Season 1 moments. I want to say favorite instead of best because I personally think they're all the best. So I think that favorite was a better way to word it for this week. So really happy to be diving in. The second season comes out on March 10th on Stars, And I thought, let's just go through Season 1. Before I go any further, I have to introduce my amazing co-host today, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing great, and I was going to apologize beforehand for sounding all snuffly, but besides that, I am excited. (laughs) Brittany is sick. I'm not feeling too well, but that's all right because the show must go on. I think it's actually going to be just Brittany and I today, which is perfectly fine because the two of us are completely obsessed with American Gods, Um, so I don't mind. Brittany, why don't you let everyone know, what is it about American Gods that just really makes you love this show? Man, there's so many reasons. Like, so where it starts out for me is, like, I love, like, like the initial obsession was, like, Greek mythology, and then it just blends into all, like, the mythologies, the gods, the goddesses. And that's what initially that I was like, oh, that's really cool. Let's do, like, the modern twist on it. And it's like, I came for the mythology. I stayed for the great character. Because I honestly sit there and think, I'm like, I don't think there's any character that, like, I dread to come on actual screen. Like, every single one of them. I'm like, oh, my God, they're back. Or, oh, my God, (laughs) they're back. (laughs) that's really true because there's always in any show that one character that you go oh can I just fast forward through this person's story arc but that is not at all how it is with American Gods I'll admit that I got into it because as you guys know I'm pretty shameless I love Pablo Schreiber who plays Matt Sweeney on this show I was just looking for more content of his and got hooked and loved every single character, every single storyline. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, What I see from the trailers and stuff, season two is just going to be freaking amazing. So with that being said, we're going to kind of hop on in. And Brittany, you have the honors of getting the number 10 slot. Oh, man. Well, you know, I thought about it. I was thinking about the order. I was thinking about all the scenes and all the great moments. And I sat here, and I'm looking at all the snow outside, and I'm thinking number 10 will be when Shadow Moon, like, when Mr. Wednesday's like, oh, just think about snow. 
just think about snow and I think it's like spring or summer there and it's when it freaking starts snowing and Shadow's just staring outside like holy jeez what what and I just have to stop and think about what all those people were thinking about where it just starts a blizzard I can't remember what state they were even in but I love that scene because it's kind of like what else is like did Shadow do it did Mr. Wednesday do it just to mess with them? Like, hey, believe in me. If you, you pray for snow, I'll make it happen. Even though, you know, he's pretty guy at this point. But I think that's going to be my number 10 just because I was sitting there and I was like, I would be one mad mother if I was the people in that town. Um, it's funny. So, I mean, uh, American Gods, just for anyone who doesn't know, is originated from a book by Neil Gaiman, who had really a pretty strong hand in the second season upcoming. But So I don't know uh, Shadow's origin or what we're really going to find for him. I kind of don't want to know. I want to see it with fresh eyes. But I really think that it was Shadow that created the snow because I, there's something – that we don't know about this guy. It's a little too convenient that Mr. Wednesday picked him um, because, you know, from the outside, he just seems like a normal guy, right? Uh, had a wife, had a home, got sent to jail. You think he, he's a pretty normal person, so why is it him that Mr. Wednesday decides to take under his wing? So I really think that there's something with him and he caused the snow. He's just, he has powers. He doesn't know how to hone them yet. And Mr. Wednesday is grooming him for this war to have powers. But as you said, Brittany, I'd be pretty mad if it's a nice sunny day out suddenly it starts snowing, right? <laughs> I would be like, really? I, and I sit there and I think a lot of times with Mr. Wednesday, with all the stuff, it's like, man, you're really selfish. You just keep making things like, you're like, you know, humans are just playthings at this point. I, honestly, that's definitely, I think, how Mr. Wednesday views everything. Um, not to kind of hop over to another moment, but remember at the end of the season when Matt Sweeney says, to Laura, you know, they're gods. What do you think they do? They mess with people. So I really think that that's just what Mr. Wednesday does, even though he says that he gave back to, I'm sorry, everyone, my dog is just whining right now. I don't know if anyone can hear that, but can you stop, ladies? That would be really nice. Um, but I, I really just think that Mr. Wednesday just likes messing with people, even though he said that the gods gave back, but instead, Yes, they're giving back, but they're giving back snow in the middle of springtime. <laughs> That's like when people are like, do you choose the new gods? Do you choose the old gods? And Mr. Wednesday's like, oh, y'all don't give back and stuff. I'm like, you kind of make life super suck. So, <laughs> I mean, you're, call you're the pot calling the kettle black. There's apparently this ad for season two. I've never seen it, but someone described it to me on Twitter that the ad is pretty much with technical boys, a voice in the background saying, if you're watching this, you've already uh, given me worship or something like that. Oh, I saw that. I was like, I was like, this is perfect. Cause I didn't know if like any of the advertisements would make that play. Like, Hey, you know, you're literally using the new gods to like advertise. You got media, you got you got uh, technology. It's like, oh, 
Okay. Okay, I see you, technical boy. I haven't seen that ad yet. It actually makes me sad. If anyone sees it, please send it to me because I'm desperate. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I would just say, Tia, desperate technical boy. I mean, that's just a sentence you see a lot. I don't understand what it is, but I started out really disliking that character. If we want to talk about a character that you kind of dreaded coming on scene, but he really just kind of wove his way into my heart because he's such a little shit. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Brittany, I think that uh, Shadow making it snow is a perfect number 10 it reminds me of Catherine Picard and all those memes during winter time make it snow uh (laughs) absolutely perfect I'm gonna take the number nine slot and since again it's just gonna be the two of us and we're gonna go a bunch of times I'm gonna do like kind of the smaller scenes before getting into the really really like good good scenes uh, I love the interaction between Laura and Audrey when Laura first comes back to life and she goes into Audrey's house and that first reaction where Laura's just kind of like, hey, what up, Audrey? And Audrey just starts screaming like a banshee. Obviously, she just saw uh, the woman who was supposed to be her friend who ended up sleeping with her husband who was supposed to be dead is now standing in her home. And she just, I think it was like a very real reaction um, for her to just run back and like go into the shower as if that was going to protect her. But what was amazing about it was Laura's just kind of like, I have to use your bathroom. And while Audrey's freaking out, Laura's just pretty much, and excuse my language here, shitting out embalming fluid as Audrey's just sitting there. And she kind of just gives this look like, uh, okay, then, and just that interaction is perfect with them asking about Audrey's husband, and Audrey's like, I, I don't know, is he still, uh, is he now a zombie or something? You guys can have zombie babies or something like that. I, I just thought it was perfect. It's a funny as hell um, interaction. We already saw earlier in the season, Audrey's a little. A little angry, understandably so, but a little angry. And just that, the two of them, I really kind of hope, I haven't heard anything, but I really hope that Audrey is in at least maybe one scene in season two because she's hilarious. Um, Brittany, what did you think about that scene between Laura and Audrey in the bathroom? I love that scene. No, seriously, that scene is the first one where I was like, okay, you know, everything's got a little bit of humor in it. You know, I was like, how are they going to take this? But what I took away most from that scene is she's a really good friend, like a legitimately good friend, because even after everything, after like the cheating, coming back, destroying her bathroom while she's sitting there, she still sews her up. And it's like, I, I love, I was going to say that scene too. Uh, my uh, my boyfriend was watching American Gods with me and it, the whole time watching it, he wasn't that into it. He was like just kind of side watching as he's playing on his phone. And that is literally the scene that he sat there and it suddenly caught his attention. And from that moment on, I was like, great. You didn't, all the other great scenes and you didn't start paying attention until she's destroying the bathroom 
washing so I she's sitting in the freaking shower. But uh no, I I love it. Um I'm trying to think of the I was gonna say it with it. Went blank. I think the worst part of that though is just imagining having all that fluid in your stomach and just like <laughs> I like how she can't feel anything. She can't you know, like like, oh, I don't feel anything. I can't feel warmth and it's like but you can still feel the discomfort of like destroying the bathroom. That's great. <laughs> I I just thought it was hilarious and in almost a way kind of wiping away that stigma that um and I know not uncomfortable, not ladylike at all, but uh I think that's the point. There she is on the toilet shitting out embalming fluid. I just thought it was perfect. It was so perfect. Just the two of them and Audrey's just sitting there caught like what the fuck. But I love what you said, Brittany, that she is a really good friend. Not only was Laura sleeping with her husband, I think for about a year or two, but also the fact is that essentially she's the reason why he's dead. So you have, you have all these things and still, no matter how angry she is, she's still sitting there sewing up Laura was making a scrapbook for shadow coming home from jail. Just a good friend, honestly. And I love uh, when she's sewing her up and Laura is like, you know, I feel so bad. And Audrey's like, fuck your feelings. You know, what do you think? Like, how are you, how are you thinking about this? What's on your mind? And I, I just think that whole like friendship between them perfect now, especially with, Laura being dead and everything being out in the open, Audrey is just having a real reaction towards the situation at hand. I mean, she's taking it really well that her best friend is coming back from the dead. I was going to say, because I don't feel like I could be that forgiving. I, I feel like I would have, like, a mental breakdown. And, and, you know, like, for the humor of, like, American gods, I do feel bad for a lot of the characters. Like, I like that they, you know, they kind of, like, shrug it off and just go on with life because it's like, what else can you do? But I would probably have, like, a mental breakdown, like, just, like, end up curled <laughs> up on the floor, have the loony bin take me away because I would not <laughs> handle that well. I'd be like, I'm having a psychotic break, please. <laughs> I almost think that maybe the only thing that soft, well, the only two things that maybe softened the blow for Audrey was a because Laura is dead technically, and b I just think her anger probably prevents her from just being so sad about it. She's just kind of like, "Fuck you, fuck Robbie, fuck all of this." I try to fuck your husband on your grave, which is so perfect that she just said her because I was like, I wonder if she's going to mention this. And no, she, she told Laura, like, I tried to sleep with shadow on your grave because that's how pissed off at you I was. And Laura really had no other choice but to take that. She's like, yeah, you know what? I, uh, I deserve all of that. And not no, to kind of get into, sorry, go ahead. What? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 go, 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 go. I was just saying, like, uh, and I'm having trouble pronouncing her name because my nose is stuffed up. Audrey? Audrey. It just does not want to pronounce. She's probably, like, not just, like, saying it because, you know, we got Saliva and stuff. She's probably one of the, like, most human characters out of the whole thing and not just out of, like, default. But, like, the most, like, 
humanly just like but most having human emotions about things. Yeah, I would completely agree about that. And you kind of need that in a show like American Gods because you can say, um, you know, that his shadow, essentially, he's a little bit on the outside looking in with all of this. But even he really isn't having that much of um, a human reaction to these things. He kind of seems at times a little naive, and I think that's why he's not having, like, these overly human reactions. I mean, uh, once in a while, he's kind of like, what the fuck? But for the most part, he's really not having, like, any existential crisis that I feel like he should be having, considering all the shit that he's seeing right away, you know? Yeah. So that that's just my opinion in on it. But, yeah, I... Really hope that we get to see more of Audrey in season two, even if it's just a glimpse. She's just perfect. Her comedic timing is fantastic. But that's what I'm going to put as the number nine scene. Brittany, I'm going to shoot it back to you to give us the number eight. I keep, like, going through my list because I'm like, man, you know, there's so many great scenes that I want to wait until they're higher, right? But then I'm like, oh, I don't want to fill it up all with little scenes. So I think I'm going to go with uh, when Sweeney wakes up and realizes that his coin isn't there, like when his lucky coin is gone and he's sitting and he's like slumped on the bat in the bathroom stall, you know, and the lady comes in the bar owner with the gun, she's aiming it at him and he's like, oh, your gun's just like, and didn't he say, like, oh, your gun's going to jam or something, you know, and then it's a firing, he's got glass all over his face, and just the sheer horror on his face when he's like, no, no way, because he's gone through, you know, everything, where it's like, I got my lucky coin, life can't hurt me, I'm lucky, and going, oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> I also like it because it's just like, because I, I know we'll get to this moment later, but that comes after Shadow and him fighting. And it's like, he's just, <laughs> I think it's just because he's so obsessed with that coin. And it's just like the sheer horror. Like, he's so cocky. He's so cocky and sure of himself. And even when he gets his butt kicked, he's fine because he's like, oh, I still got my lucky coin. But when he sits there and realizes the sheer human, like, just horror on his face just gets me every time. Yeah, I have to to laugh at that because watching this show, I didn't fully understand at first what kind of was going on, like why he was so sure that the gun was going to jam or something like that. I don't know why. Like, I had to watch it again and things sort of just clicked. But you're right, he was cocky because he just has luck. He has his coin, everything goes his way, and now he just kind of picks up that beer bottle to take a sip, and just suddenly the look of surprise on his face when it just busts and he has glass everywhere. He doesn't even look really that hurt, even though there's glass in his skin. He's just, like, more so shocked that, oh, this, the gun didn't jam. She was actually able to pull the trigger. And it kind of coincides, and I hope I'm not jumping a little here, Brittany, but I'm no, sure yeah. that maybe, I'm sure that maybe it's not going to appear on the list because it is a little bit of a smaller scene and we're going to probably say other scenes. But um, 
that kind of coincides with when he gets picked up by that guy, you know, who's offering a ride and just his luck that there's a truck in front of them and a beam just goes in and gets that guy in the face and unfortunately kills him and puts, you know, kind of drives the car into a ditch. And you just see the look on Sweeney's face at this point because now he's like, wow, I have no luck. Something's wrong. And then he obviously notices that his gold coin is missing, which I'm like, you know, if that's supposed to be your lucky coin, wouldn't you have been a little bit more careful with it as you were just kind of tossing coins around at Shadow? But uh, maybe he was – sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I was just saying, no, I was like, I I know. But I also sit there and wonder about that coin. I'm like, okay, it's this lucky coin, right? But if he loses it, does that mean that he just has awful luck, no luck? Or, like, does he not have, like, a base form of luck? Because it seems like he had pretty, like, shitty luck once the coin was gone. Because it's like how – I know that happens. That legitimately happens about people driving through pipes like that. But how in other aspect of everything's going on that the world was suddenly like, let's kill Sweeney. You know what? Screw that guy. <laughs> I I don't know. I, it's a good point to bring up that without the, the coin – then it just means that he has shitty luck. It's not so much like, oh, he just doesn't have, like, you know, maybe really great luck. He's now just in a terrible situation. So I, I think that's hilarious as a scene because, and first of all, it's just so funny. He slumped over. He literally fell asleep in the bathroom. Like, goddamn, Sweeney, get your life together here. Get your life together. <laughs> I think that's kind of like the main advice I would give Sweeney is just to kind of get his life together. But um, that's a great scene. I love that. I love that as the start of us discovering that maybe Sweeney is just not having a great day. So number eight, as that is just fantastic. Did you want to add anything else before I hit you up with my number seven? Oh, I'm trying to think. I I think it covered most of everything. I just love that that's, like, your first, like, like real, like, glance at something, because I know, like, that comes after the fight scene, but it's still, like, because you just got basically, like, what's the cut? Kind of a bluffing Sweeney, because, like, I'll try not to spoil season one, but, you know, like, how... Uh, oh, no, there's going to be there, there's gonna be spoils. If you haven't watched season one, let's just say this. There, there's spoilers here. So go ahead, Brittany. So I was gonna say, you know, like he he fights Shadow after you know his like doing the whole thing with the dead wife, and I sit there and I go, you know, he's bluffing basically through that whole fight. He feels like shit, and I like that this is like the first like true glance of like his character that you get after that scene. Yeah, I have to completely agree. I just think it's a great scene. I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of Matt Sweeney um, scenes on this list just because it's such a fantastic character. And while we have time, because, while we have time because it's just the two of us here, Brittany, um, very intimate, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just to let everyone know, Pablo Schreiber was not originally meant to play Matt Sweeney. I actually now forget 
the actor who was meant to play him, but oh, it's going to bother me. I, I don't want to take up time by looking it up or anything, but the actor who was originally supposed to play Matt Sweeney actually did film a whole week of American Gods, but had some personal, I think, issues that kind of caused him to pull out. And you can actually find, I did, I did an article for it on GVN where I found uh, a behind-the-scenes photo of the other actor with Ian McShane's Mr. Wednesday and Ricky Whittle's Shadow Moon. So the thing is, is that his wig is the original wig. And since they were already in the middle of filming, they wanted to get everything done because, you know, with movies and TV shows, there's timelines. So they, you know, put Pablo in, and they cut, and because Pablo obviously has a bigger head than this guy, they had to kind of cut up that wig and make it work. That's why he has this little bit of a bohawk going on. It's because that's the only way they could get it to fit on his head. The other guy, it, it was a full, like, a full head of like red hair if you know what I'm saying they had to kind of cut it down to make it fit on Pablo's head so just a little bit of fun fact for anyone who is listening in right now but um, I was going to say that original actor was Sean Harris thank you that was going to bother me because I (laughs) no because I said it not too long ago and I knew the guy's name off the top of my head and I don't know why just like completely forgot. But yes, Sean Harris filmed an entire week of American Gods. If you go to GV Nation and you search in American Gods, or I think if you search in Matt Sweeney and you just kind of scroll, you'll find that that article. So uh, moving on, I'm going to do number seven. And you know, I wasn't going to do this, but I actually have American Gods playing in the background just to kind of really get in the mood. And I'm going to put my number seven as the chef, uh, not chess, sorry, the checkers game between Chernobyl and Shadow Moon. Um, because I didn't realize how much I liked Chernobyl until I just kept re-watching the scene. He's just so fantastic. I'm actually mad that we didn't see more of him in season one. Uh, but that, that whole scene between Shadow and Chernabog, you kind of know that something's going on. This guy's a little a little much. And you don't, full, at least from Shadow's perspective, you don't know that these people are gods right now. You just hear this guy, and he's just talking about killing cows and how it used to be. Um, and you know there's a little something wrong with him. There's that one point during dinner that uh, Shadow is looking at Chernobog who's holding his hammer and you can just kind of see all the blood from every kill that he's ever had just seeping down. But it's not really there. It's just something that Shadow's kind of imagining where these uh, images are kind of in Shadow's brain. But he's playing the checkers game with him and at first it's just a little unsettling. But then Chernobog full on says, let's make a wager if I win, I get to kill you. And Shadow agrees to it. I'm like, first of all, who would agree to that? But there he is, like, yeah, fine, I guess so. And what I love about that scene is that Chernobog does win at first. And you're like, oh, shit, is this the end of Shadow? Which, first of all, bad luck on his part, because just the previous episode was when Technical Boy had his 
quote-unquote children lynch him, and now he's going to die from the god of death essentially beating his brains in. I mean, oh, shit. That was such a scene. I mean, I really kind of was on edge during it because, again, you can – I guess argue by saying that Shadow is the main character of the show, even though everyone has a little bit of their spotlight. But he's kind of the main character, and you think you're not going to have him die two episodes in the show unless there's something I'm missing here. Um, so that I definitely kind of want to put that on the list just to highlight Chernabog and how great he is. And one little scene also, I love when he first comes home and he just throws the lamp at Mr. Wednesday, and Mr. Wednesday ducks and just comes back up, and he's like, yes, and I also brought the cheese that you like. Just so like, yeah, yeah, this is this angry Russian god. Let him have his thing. He's obviously a little pissed to see me, but that's okay. Um, So that's what I'm going to put as my number seven. Brittany, tell me, what do you think about my choice? (laughs) I I love your choice. I was going to say, I love that scene because, one, Okay, I don't know if I'm crazy. That's the same actor that plays Maytag in, like, Prison Break, right? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. It's the same actor. That's... I mean, I forget, I forget his name now, but he, he's been around. He's been in a lot of things. No, uh, ever since watching Prison Break with you, I love that actor, and I love getting to see him in there because I was like, man, he plays an angry man so well. But I love the chess scene because you're right. It's like he does win at first. And I love in shows where they actually have, like, the quote-unquote bad guy win initially because it's so cliche just that it's like, yeah, I have Shadow Moon win. The, like, danger is gone. Because when he lost, my heart literally dropped. I was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? I thought you were good at chess. But I think it also <laughs> goes to show it's like, you know, when you first see him, it's kind of like a you pronounce it Chernabog, right? Chernabog. Chernabog. I know. Chernabog. My, I cannot talk with my nose so stubble. But uh, when you first see him, you know he comes in so angry, aggressive, and you're like, okay, you might not initially think of him as a smart character, right? But then you realize, right. like, oh, he's very clever. He is very like he is aged. He's he's seen a lot of shit. And uh, I do love that it's, like, he's so obsessed almost with, like, because wasn't, like, killing with the hammer, like, his form of, like, worship, like a sacrifice with the cows and stuff? Well, yeah, because... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I I was going to say really quick, I did a little bit of research because, you know, all the other guys are based on gods. He isn't necessarily a god in the Slavic um, religion, but more so based on another god in the Slavic religion who is essentially the god of death. So, yes, those were his sacrifices, essentially. So it's like, you can tell it's like with the old gods, they're obsessed with being relevant again. And that's the whole reason he wants to kill Shadow. It's like, it's for him. It's kind of like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. You know, it's not it's not anything against you. I just really want you dead. I, I just really need this. Thank you, please. But uh, <laughs> I always wonder, though, and this is the one part that's been confusing me, is like, you know how after Chernbog wins, 
he gets, you know, when Shadow's like, hey, give me a second chance, either way, you, then he says that, and he's like, either way, you could still kill me, but if I win, will you still go? And it, so it makes me wonder, is that going to be an issue in season two? Like, because I thought, like, he was still going to let Charterbug bash his head in. Yeah, and that was a little bit of the agreement where he's like, eventually you can still do it, but um, you got to join Mr. Wednesday's war. And I am wondering, <laughs> I don't think that there's any getting away from Chernobog. He's going to hold you to that promise um, that he's going to be able to kill you afterwards, which, wow, Shadow, you just met Mr. Wednesday and you're suddenly offering up your life just to get this guy to join a war that you don't really even fully understand at this point. Come on, Shadow. Come on, Shadow. Well, it makes me wonder, it's like, at that point, did Shadow just think he was a crazy old man? Did he just think, oh, this is just like him not being really like, oh, I'll get out of it. And it's like, Shadow, you you poor, dumb, but adorable little creature, you I almost think it's because Shadow is a little depressed. I mean, he was in jail for three years, and knowing what we know, he was in jail for doing a job that his wife had kind of pushed him into it. You know, while he had suggested at first, he kind of had forgotten about that, and it was Laura who was like, you need to do this, I need to do this, and he gets caught. He spends three years in jail. He gets out, and he finds out that not only is his wife dead, but she was screwing um, Shadow's good friend because at that point I think Shadow and Robbie had become good friends. Robbie was supposed to offer Shadow a job after he got out of prison. So I think at this point Shadow was just depressed and he was like, you know what, I really have nothing to live for, which I, I think is what Mr. Wednesday wanted. He wanted to make that Shadow had nothing so that he could latch on to him. I think that's what it was personally kind of messed up Mr. Wednesday that's pretty, well, uh, that's pretty screwy he's pretty messed up but um, that, that scene with Chernobog and Shadow I feel like had to go on the list I love how and one last thing I'm going to say before I scoot over to the next slot um, I love how Chernobog has this whole speech about I think that he liked Shadow I really do think that he liked the shadow. I mean, he's like, oh, you and me, we're not so much, you know, we're not so different. We're pretty much the same. And then he say at some point, he goes, oh, I'm going to lose my only black friends. And I was like, oh, oh my, God. my God. I was like, really, Chernobog? This is what you're saying? I mean, he's just like this crazy old Russian dude. And I think that the actor just played him perfectly like that. So I just had to throw that in before we moved on to the next scene. Um, so, sorry, go ahead, Brittany. I was going to say the thing about when they mess with, like, like with the idea of God, two gods and all that, it's that it kind of gives them, like, a, a personality but without a filter. Because they're not constrained by, like, the ideas of what's human, what's correct, what's they're just like, I'm going to say what I want because what does it matter? Who's going to tell me I can't do anything? <laughs> Screw everybody. They're just up there with their middle fingers held up, don't, not caring about a thing. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's like your crazy old grandpa, and that's what they made Chernobog into. Only Chernobog actually kills people, so... If you're oh, yeah. 
if your grandpa's doing that, then maybe you should be worried. But anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> Brittany, you got the number six slot. Um, if you're not busy dying over there, I heard you cough a few times. I, I tried to hold the phone like way away, and I was like, no. <laughs> Oh, God, but tell us, Brittany, what's your number six? Okay, stick with me here. Two words, vagina nebula. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You knew this had to come up at some time. No, okay. When, uh, and I have trouble pronouncing her name. It's like, it sounds like Quilchrist when they're saying it, but when it's spelled, it's like Billquist, like with a B. Billquist. Billquist. I'm telling you, I can't talk today, or at least I can't pronounce things. No, because it's like, I can't remember. Is that the very first scene you see her in? Um, Or did that come after? Where she shoves the dude literally into her vagina. That's the first scene that we see her in. Okay, because when we were watching that scene, and it's like, oh, you know, you see her on her phone, you know, she's very, like, and you think it's, like, sweet at first. You're like, okay, you know, they're having this nice day. Yeah, he's not the best-looking guy, but they seem really into one another. And you're like, okay, they're just two consenting adults having a good time. No judge. And then when she's leading him back, and I was watching it, and at first, I kept forgetting it placed on stars, and I was like, this isn't going to be graphic. They're not going <laughs> to. And when it starts happening, like, I was blushing. I was like, I was like, I think we were there together, right? Where I was like, just gawking, like, is this happening right now? Should I change the channel? But no, uh, I If it, you realize, like, oh, she, she, she's a bad bitch. She's like, it, it's like, you know, she's not like mean about it, but it's like, you're like, this is getting pretty, like, raunchy, dang. And I and I still can't remember. Is she getting bigger, or is the guy getting smaller, or both? Because I feel like she got, like, giant on that bed, and he was shrinking. My brain was, like, in another dimension at this point, because I was like, what the hell is going on? And then, whoop, he's gone. Completely gone. <laughs> um, I, I have to say, I was... When I saw that scene, I was like, this solidifies this show as one of the craziest things, I, probably the craziest thing I've ever watched. And I am still confused to this day if she was just getting bigger or he was just getting smaller. Um, I kind of want to say that he was just getting smaller. But that scene was freaking just insane. Because they're, you know, they're they're doing it. They're, you know, getting intimate. And she's just like you know, worship me, worship me. And there's almost something that changes in him because then all of a sudden he, like, almost gets this demonic voice, right, Brittany, where he's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like he almost got tranced. He got tranced by the vagina nebula. (laughs) And and he's just like, oh, yeah, I forget everything that he was saying, but he was like, you know, queen of this, you know, milk, honey, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then she, like, gets on top and she's like, She's like, don't stop. And he's like, oh, this is amazing. And she's like, keep going. And then it's like, wait, he's getting (laughs) I'm so good even talking about it. Because I see, like, anybody that goes, American Gods, can you describe in two words? I would do literally, like, how I started this one. Two words, vagina nebula. Because he is such, like, a big, like, it is, like, almost, you know, I probably should have gave it, like, 
like more of a topic because it is literally the one scene that anybody's like, oh, is that the show where the lady shoves the guy up her vagina? And it's even like talked about like like later on, like because Technical Boy talks about it. Um, I have to tell you, for anyone who wasn't aware, but on Facebook about two weeks ago, they had a live, like, you know how sometimes Facebook does, like, live videos? And it was a live video of inside the vagina nebula, and it was, like, just this, like, cosmic swirl, and you could, like, comment, and it was, like, welcome to the vagina nebula. Oh, and it's, like, oh, my God. It was just so hilarious, and it's, like, that scene was just so, like, what the hell is going on? I, I But looking back on it, you're like, you know what? I, I guess she did what she had to do. I mean, no. she just. <laughs> oh, I know that. my gosh. Because at first you do think you're like, you know, here's this beautiful woman. Because she is. She's just gorgeous. And, you know, he's just an average looking guy don't want to be insulting or anything like that but you know you're like oh you know she can I'm just going to say she could do a lot better right and you're yeah. like but she's just getting but you see almost she's almost a little I don't want to say shy but she kind of goes like oh you you think I'm pretty you like me and you see that she's like getting almost happy and confident about it because as we saw later on I don't want to give too much away because you know, hint, hint, that's probably going to be on this top 10, what I'm about, but anyway, um, and that she's going to go into it and stuff like that, and we obviously see why now, it's because she was just wanting some of her own worship. Man, I feel bad for the old gods a lot, because it's like, it's like you're so brought up, you're such like, you used to be like, it kind of reminds me of like, like celebrities. You know where they had a moment where they were the biggest thing, a biggest thing in the country, world, you know, everybody knew their name, and suddenly it's just like they disappeared, and that must be really sad. And I think that's what we see with the old gods is that they're just trying so desperately to find some way to stay relevant again. And for Bill Quist, that was just a way to be relevant, was to have that moment with that guy. And we obviously saw that it, it brought some sort of satisfaction to her, some kind of, like, glow back in her face. So, yeah, I mean, vagina nebula, that's enough said. Um, I was going to say, she actually even looks like, and I, I don't know if I'm just remembering this incorrectly, but after shoving him up there, she looked better. Like, she looked like like younger like skin was better she was glowing and I'm like is that what we women need to do to become like like perfect <laughs> like just like shove them up there uh men be be weary because we we will do anything <laughs> to you know make ourselves look flawless but <laughs> no seriously I, I agree with you Brittany she looks like rejuvenated and I think that's the whole point is that she needed that. She needed, you know, people to worship her and then shove them up there, and then she just looked even more gorgeous than she did before. So, Brittany, fantastic job, number six, Vagina Nebula. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go on to number five, and since we're kind of getting now to the second half, I'm going to put 
the the scenes that I really want to talk about. And Brittany, I'm sorry if I steal some of your scenes because it's it's just what it is. Um, so yeah, number yeah. five, uh, and you know, again, there's so many great moments. You know, we we got this, we got this. But number five is going to be Mr. Nancy's introduction. Oh, uh, oh, that, uh, you know that that scene. It's just so good. I rewatched it uh, just before we got on this talk right now because Orlando Jones as Mr. Nancy, un-Nancy, is just so good. Um, I think, you know, if anyone is out there, please correct me, but it's a uh, Guyanese god who is a trickster god, very similar to Loki, right? And that scene is just so perfect, right? Um, You start off and you have all these slaves on a slave ship, and it's just so depressing, right? And you know what's going to happen to them. We know history. We know what is kind of awaiting them. And you got that one guy who's just desperately praying to a Nancy because he needs help, you know? He's in these shackles. He has no idea where he is. He has no idea where his mom is. And he's offering everything. He says, you know, if I could dance, I would dance for you. I would make wine for you. I would, you know, do anything. I mean, this guy is, like, seriously praying to a Nancy to come and help him. And then a Nancy just steps down, wearing the best outfit ever. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, a Nancy has, like, just fabulous taste. And that whole speech where he's just like, oh, you're fucked. He goes, let me tell you how screwed you actually are. Let me tell you about the history. Let me tell you about what is awaiting you. Let me tell you that when you arrive to America, these are the boundaries that are going to be set. You know, you get to be and they get to be Y, and because you're X, the Y thinks that they could treat you differently. You know, you're going to be killed, you're going to be worked to death, and this is what's going to happen. And it's not even going to get better from there. You're going to go through all this other shit you know, yada, yada, yada. And it's just, you're like, wow, this is terrible. Like, this, I mean, imagine listening to him talk. And the one guy does. You can see it. And, I was, again, watching it, and the actor who plays that one guy just did so perfectly because you could even see, like, his face muscles, like, twitching because he's getting so mad. And when Nancy goes, this guy gets it, He's getting angry. I like him. Angry's good. Angry gets shit done. And when then he says, you know, you should go up and slit every single one of these Dutch mother effers throats and set fire to the ship. And then there's another guy who, you know, says, well, if we do that, we're on this ship, and it's going to burn, and we're going to die. And when Nancy goes, you're already dead, at least make your death something meaningful, a sacrifice to me pretty much. And that shit happens and he breaks off their chains and they just start, you know, going and they really do set the ship on fire. And you just see kind of a Nancy's little spider then get off onto America and that's kind of his origin story of how he came to America. It was so good. I don't mean to just go over and over and over again with that scene, but, oh, just just one of the best in American Gods season one because Orlando Jones plays Mr. Nancy so perfect. 
I know, Brittany, that you're a fan of Mr. Nancy, so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to, you know, just give me your thoughts of that scene. That scene was powerful. Like, just, I got to give it to Orlando. He he is a great actor because you can hear, like, the, like the malice in his voice when he's explaining, like, the pure anger of what these slaves would have to deal with if they were to make, well, the other ones did, but, like, what they are going to have to deal with, that it doesn't just end with, oh, you get there, you're a slave, and you die. It's like your children, your children's children, your children's children's children are going to be, like, subjugated and treated awful for like the next 100 200 300 how many years it's like this is what your life but i like that like he doesn't sugarcoat it like like other people maybe tell that story or like this is how it's gonna go he's like no this is how it's gonna happen and you're in other words you're fucked and it's like and it's really sad, and it's a very powerful message to be giving. Like, you know, some people might, like, dance around that scene, but it's like they put it right in your face. They're like, it was very, like, uh, it was very powerful. And I do love that Anansi comes down. And I, and I was trying to remember why he prayed to Anansi, because I was like, of all the gods, why are you praying to, like, Anansi? Because, you know, he's the, he's the storyteller. He's the trickster. He's the – but it's like because he sees that spider in the corner – and it's like, yeah, he's there. But it is, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it. You know, that scene, I thought Anansi was going to be, like, a complete, like, afterwards. Because he is very, like, not selfish, but he's like, I'll make it a, like, sacrifice to me. But it's like, I love Anansi through the rest of the series. <laughs> he is fun. He is fun. Because I thought from that scene, I thought that was going to set, like, the, the precedence for him that he was going to be, like, very like I don't know borderline evil but he's like he's just a happy-go-lucky guy he's he's playful he's like I just make suits I like making these suits you want to hear a story I'll tell you a story so to get to see the old version of him like how he used to be was very like I don't know it goes to show that these gods it's like yeah, they're a little worn down, but don't underestimate them because they used to be scary as shit, and they were very much like, it's about me. I'm going to say it's true. No sugarcoating. That's being powerful, though. Well, what I love is, uh, I love when he goes, the only good thing is that that tobacco that you're going to be farming for these white motherfuckers are going to give them cancer. Oh, I laughed so hard. I mean, you know, just to kind of talk a little bit about it is that uh, they interviewed Ricky Whittle, who plays Shadow Moon, and he said that in the, you know, the next season, you know, you have a good amount of actors who are people of color, and then you also have people of color working behind the scenes as well. So they really took care in telling the full story of America and not just sugarcoating it just because, you know, they want to make people feel comfortable. They are out there telling you the truth of what happened, putting it in your face. Um, and, and I think that is kind of where Mr. Nancy comes here is, you know, he's not there to make you comfortable. You know, he's telling you the reality of what the history were for Africans, you know, African-Americans in, in America. So I think that that's kind of the significance of having him there. Um, really quick, Brittany, I read this thing. I thought it was really cool. I thought you were going to find it cool. 
in season two, apparently, there, Mr. Nancy really apparently, um, I, I don't, I don't know how to word it. Not worships Silquist, but you know, admires her greatly Man because boy. he. <laughs> well, because Orlando Jones is saying that you know his culture comes from a matriarchal culture that really. Uh, really values women and women in power. So I I read that from what he said that there's going to be some great bonding between Mr. Nancy and Bill Quist, which I can't wait to see, honestly. That is going to make me so happy because even like when he's telling the story of Bill Quist, it's like you can hear the admiration in his voice. And I like that it's like, you know, some people think, oh, old gods, you know, they don't appreciate women. You know, it's very, like, patriarchal-like type. I don't even know if that's the right word for it. But, like, society. And so to see, like, this, like, very, like, abrupt character to be like, man, women are awesome. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's very, like, refreshing. It's incredibly refreshing. I don't want to get too much into that because I know we're going to talk about that scene later. So I'm definitely going to put number five as Mr. Nancy's intro. Fantastic. Orlando Jones, keep doing what you do because you're just awesome. You rock. Um, Brittany, what's your number four slot? Man, I'm going through because I think I was about to do the Nancy one, but I knew you were probably going to do it, so it's like no shame. (laughs) I I really like the introduction of Salim, like the carjacking, because, you know, you just have – freaking Laura, who, by the way, every now and then I forget her name because my brain only goes dead wife, and that's (laughs) the only name I could think for her, but it's like, I like the introduction of Selene, where, like, they're like, okay, Sweeney, Laura, they're like, we need a car, and she's like, I want this car, and he's like, no, 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 we need to take this one, she's like, well, that one's a piece of crap, he goes, yeah, but I could deal with this, and so Selene... Because he comes up with a gun, doesn't he? Like, little badass believe it. Like, do not take my taxi. But that leads into my favorite scene with, like, I'm kind of, like, meshing these two. But, like, when they're all traveling together, and it's like, Salim is such a cinnamon roll. I love that (laughs) character. But it's just, like, he wants to find his gin. And, like, him telling the story of how he meets the gin, how, like, I tried to take a word for it like seeing the fire in his eyes and just like hit this pure admiration for the gin. It's like, and how he's telling it's like, even Laura's kind of touched by it. She's like, Oh, he just wants to find his gin. And it's like, and Laura's pretty cold. So, you know, she's like, Oh, he's gotta be, a, he's gotta be the ultimate cinnamon roll. But uh, I think that's actually going to lead into, I'm going to make the scene more of like past story of why Salim wants to find the gin. And it's like, which, by the way, that sex scene was, like, intense. I don't even know if that's more intense or the same amount of intense as the Vagina Nebula. But they do not Oof. go easy on the sex scene. Um, that scene is fantastic, Brittany. And, again, I don't need to keep, like, throwing these little, like, tidbits of information. I just feel like, you know, again, because it's just the two of us, we can kind of go into this a little. But... I'm sure we talked about this, that you know that they had originally filmed a sex scene, but that they redid it because they want to make it more realistic for a man-on-man sex scene, because we often have where they misrepresent, uh, you know, 
homosexual sex scenes in media, and they didn't want to do that. They wanted to put a very realistic, like, well, you know, that that wouldn't be the angle, you know, or blah, blah, blah. So they wanted to, like, go back and really just accurately portray it. Because I, like, uh, I was going to say the gen, like, I, I'm trying to, I, I have trouble pronouncing names lately, but it, it's Musa, right? Yeah, Musa is the yeah, actor's first name. Which I love following him on Instagram right now because of all the pictures <laughs> he's posting, like, the vaccine and, like, making all these little stories for it. I love that guy. I seriously do. But I was saying with him, with him and everything, it's like, I'm excited to have more gin. And from the trailers and everything, I'm I'm ready for him to be, like, I'm hoping he's going to be in it a lot. Because the Jin and Salim are, like, they're, like, my favorite little couple in there, like. Okay, they have to come second to Sweeney and Laura. But um, I completely agree. Salim and the Jin are hashtag relationship goals. Um, I love them. And did you know? <laughs> again, I'm coming just out with all this shit. Did you know that? <laughs> did you know the two actors have been friends for like the past 13 years or something like that? What? Yeah, they they're like off screen friends so you know that probably uh has something to do with the great chemistry that the two of them have during their scenes i bet they get drunk and laugh over the sex scene then like yeah that that's how close we got in this 13 years (laughs) we're real freaking close Oh my god, I can't wait for them. And I'm so happy that you brought up Musa's Instagram stories. They're so funny. Did you see the one where he was talking about Emily Browning, who plays Laura Moon? And it was like, no one feeds her on set or something. Hashtag oh feed god. her. I love that one too, where it's like, oh, she asked if we could be friends. And it like it was like, was it? Ricky Whittle, and I can't remember who else was there. It's like, she asked if they could be friends, and he said, no season two people, or something like that. And like, <laughs> that, like, the, like he's, just, he's like, you can't be friends with us. And you just see the girl like looking so sad in the background. I was like, jeez. <laughs> I love the one where I think it was Ricky Whittle talking to like maybe one of the directors or something and he's like here's Ricky Whittle throwing up gang signs or something I don't know he's so so funny I cannot wait for more of him in season two and it looks like we're gonna get that have you seen the trailer where it's um where it's the Jin riding his motorcycle and Salim is in like the little side cart yeah I love it because he was like Salim like looks at the gym like so like by the way does the gym have a name like a name name or do they just call him the gym as of right now I really just think it's just the gym if uh anyone knows anything else please let me know but as far as as far as I know I think it's just the gym um what what would we say is their couple name Jaleem? I, I don't know. Wait, wait, no. I don't know, because the D is silent, and uh, no, Sin? Like, for Salim and Jin, they can be Sin. <laughs> Hashtag Sin. I like it. It sounds sexy. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, 
Salim's whole, why don't we just put for number four, just Salim existing? I think that's okay. like a good one. <laughs> I just love Salim because he's just like, I love that Laura lets him go. She's just like, let him go find his gin. And it's like, so he's like, you bitch. I love, I love when, um, you know, Salim goes out to pray. And Sweeney's like, didn't you just do that? How many more times do you got to do that? And he's like, I pray five times a day. And Sweeney's like, oh, my God. And and Laura's like, shut up. (laughs) Just let the guy do what he needs to do. I love that Laura is, like, such an asshole through the entire freaking season. And she's just like, but with Salim, she, like, she babies him. This is her baby. How did you not? Salim is just precious. Like, oh, oh my God, Brittany. If anything happens to Salim in season two, I will riot. We riot. riot. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag protect Salim. <laughs> oh, my God. He, he, he protect. He don't attack. I don't know what the third one would have been, but he is snack. He is Mac. <laughs> you would. De- I love. I'm sorry to keep like. I don't want to just take over your pick, but since we're doing all of Celine's existence, I love the scene when the three of them go to the bar and Laura's ordering vodka and Sweeney's ordering. I think it was like uh uh like Southern Comfort and Coke or something like that. And Celine's like, I'll have a coffee. Who goes to a bar and orders coffee? <laughs> like. Oh, my God. He's so precious. I love that, like, the scene I love most with, like, uh, with the gin and Salim is, like, you know, when he sees the fire and everything, he's just, like, you know, my grandmother told me the story of seeing a man with, like, uh, eyes of fire, and the gin's just looking at him, because you think about it, the gin is, like, a very, almost, like, caring slash loving character, and even though he seems very gruff in season one, because even as he's talking, he seems kind of like not aggressive, but very like almost cold for a man with fire eyes and stuff. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's like he's literally let himself be, you know, downgraded each time to give these people a new chance and a new life. And it's like with Celine, Celine couldn't get a job, and it's like he gave him a job, and it's like man, his entire existence is just trying to make people happy in a way. That just makes me love gin. Like, uh, love gin. Uh, not the alcohol. Not G-I-N. In general, I just don't like gin, the beverage. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Um, <laughs> no, I, and that's a good point because he goes from being a cab driver, and you have to imagine that he did that to give someone a better life, so he became a cab driver. And now he's essentially become uh, unemployed and almost uh, un, un, unemployable. I don't know. That's a weird uh, word. But, you know, Salim is having a problem finding a job. So now he's going to be in the same position. So uh, the gin, he's just amazing. Cannot wait to see more of him in season two. Me too, so they just, like, gave you, like, bits and pieces, but, you know, that, that reminds me, too, it's, like, 
at what point is the djinn just giving a piece of himself each time? Because you think about it is like back in the day, you know, he because he tells him he's like, you know, I can't just grant your wishes anymore. You know, it doesn't work like that. And it's like so literally the last little bit of power he has, he's just giving up. And it's like he's like basically like he's he's kind of a self-sacrificial character. And he's just one of the best, one of the precious ones that, you know, we do not deserve. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we're all here for sin. We're all here for sin. Um, Moving on, I'm going to hit the number three. We're getting to the really good ones. I actually already marked out what I'm going to pick, Um, so I hope that you have a a really good one for number two, Brittany. But I am going to take the number three slot, and I am going to do – Mr. World's introduction. Oh, yes. Oh, God, that's so good. Let's set a scene, all right? Because we have Mr. Wednesday, who pretty much seems like he just goes with the wind, right? He's a war god. Doesn't really seem like anything kind of gets him down or anything like that. But you can tell when they're in that police station that he is worried. When you see media first coming in and then it's like all the lights dim out and shit like that. Before that, before media came in, right, it's like he wanted to get out. He he uncuffed Shadow. He's like, we got to go. But no, that can guys, sorry about the <laughs> sirens in the background. I mean, every time, guys, before my dog was starting to bark, now the sirens are going off. It's like I cannot have a silent show. I, my apologies. Anyway. Uh, you see that Mr. Wednesday is just terrified of Mr. World, and it's just as Mr. World starts walking in just so, like, slowly and confidently, he's dressed well. I mean, he is, like, the picture of globalization, the perfect embodiment of this, right? And he's just coming in and Mr. Wednesday telling Shadow, do not talk to him, do not look at him, do not give him anything. And Mr. World's like, he doesn't have to. He's a person. I know people. I know everything about you, right? Just, oh, and it's so good, everything. You can see that him and media have this, like, fantastic relationship. Uh, The way he's talking to Mr. Wednesday, again, perfect embodiment of, you know, the whole one company, you know, runs the world type of mindset. And, you know, I absolutely love that speech where he talks about, you know, salsa, right? He goes, you know, chunky, medium, spicy, blah, blah. He goes, they get a choice, of course, of course, but they're buying salsa. And it's like, yeah, you think you hear the, the phrase and you're like, it's freaking salsa. It's like, no, 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 no. What he's talking about is we're just given the illusion that we're able to choose things. But in reality, we're just getting this one product that they're selling to us, you know. Regardless, they're still selling us salsa. Whether we get a choice of what type of salsa we want, we're still buying it. And that's just kind of what it is. It's a complete complete metaphor and I love it so much and I have to then add on to it 
that absolutely love that Mr. World and media are essentially technical boys' parents, the way they treat him when he's like, get in here, apologize to Shadow for what you did, you know, and, and then he, like, kind of just grabs technical boy and he, like, brings them over and he asks Shadow, would you like to hit him? Would you like to knock out his teeth? And Shadow's like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good. Um, and the last thing I kind of wanted to say about it was you could see that Mr. World is very much into aesthetics because when he tells Mr. Wednesday, you know, give it back to him, like give them the reason to like worship or whatever, and Techno Boy's like, you're leaving? And Mr. World's like, on a good line. And he turns to Media and goes, it was a good line. And Media's like, yeah, yeah, it was a great line, dude. Um, I, I just love that scene so much. Love Mr. World. Just, he really is so good at it. And you have to think about before this episode, we had only just heard about him. We only knew that, you know, Mr. Wednesday's obviously freaked out by someone and it's him. And it just, it didn't disappoint. Brittany, to take over before I just completely lose my breath in talking about this. <laughs> before you fangirl, before you have an utter fangirl moment. Yeah. You know, I love Mr. Wilt. And I think what, like his most like scary feature, and I know it seems weird, it's his smile. It's like, because he's constantly, like, you first see him, he's smiling, and it's like, his freaking smile is unnerving. Because you go, okay, this guy seems nice enough. Oh, he kind of looks scary. Really freaking scary. Almost like a Joker-esque smile, like, that's, like, hiding a true intention. And it's like, uh, I love that scene, too, because it's like, I love Shadow just like, okay, who's this guy? You know, it almost like, oh, this isn't too bad. Until his freaking face is, like, morphing, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, and you, your mother, you make the same, like, old face as your mom. And it's like, <laughs> she, like freaking Show and Shadow, like, climaxing. It's like, oh, okay. You know, it, it's unnerving. It's uncomfortable. And it's like, that's what Mr. World wants. He wants you to be like, I guess like, even his advertisement is like, isn't it like believe in fear or something like that? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's terrifying. Let's not do that. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to think too. I do love Technical Boy in that scene though, because I love, it's just like he's so young. He's so like, this is what we're supposed to be doing. You're like, you're just letting them go. And it's like, they're just so done with him and I just love that Shadow's just like sitting there like can I I end this like what the hell is going on like you just looking at Mr. Wednesday like okay that Mr. World's a great character and it's like I I, I don't it's like I can't decide if I love or or like not exactly hate him because I don't hate him at all but it's like he's definitely not what he seems and I think that has to go with like corporations where they put a good smile on their face. They give you, like, make you feel good. You know, you're just trying to make a deal. You know, like, petting each other's egos just to make this a little easier. You know, he pets Mr. Wednesday's ego. He's like, you know, you're Mr. Wednesday. You know, this is who you are. You're great. And it's like, no, he he don't care about you at all. He just, like, he's very, uh, he's very much a politician, a CEO. You know what I mean? I completely agree because I'm always trying to decide whether or not Mr. World really does respect Mr. Wednesday 
or was just trying to say all those things because, you know, he wants a merger, right? You know, a merger. And he says to the technical boy, you know, this man deserves our respect. This man will be old, is older than you will ever be. And I'm like, you know, at first you're like, oh, he really kind of like reveres Mr. Wednesday. And then you, and then you really think about it and you're like, it's all a show. That was a show in front of Mr. Wednesday to kind of cushion everything because we, we see these big corporations with these mergers and these takeovers, and it's really just another way to make this go away, make this whole thing with Mr. Wednesday go away. Here's your little piece. Here's your little part. We can live together, and this way I can just get you off my back. It's the same thing that they did with Vulcan. They're just trying to do that with Mr. Wednesday. He's too good of a character. I'm, I'm like, really actually afraid to see what he's going to be like in season two. Because, like, season one, they kind of got their butts handed to them. I really think that the new gods are going to be more present in the second season because with the first season, it was more so of introducing the old gods and the new gods were kind of like sidelined. But with the war coming, I really think we're going to see more of them. And I think we're going to see more of Mr. World definitely because he is the leader. He has to uh, orchestrate this whole comeback to the old gods for whatever, you know, what they did to them at the end of season one. Um, There's definitely just something about uh, Mr. World. He's just completely terrifying and unnerving. I like that you said that he had a very Joker-esque smile to him. So the actor's name is Crispin Glover. Would you say, Brittany, that he could make a good older Joker? Oh, definitely. He's got the face for it's like it's in the eyes too. It's like his eyes are almost like evil. Like it's like he's smiling. He's got the smile that it's very unnerving. He's got it like it's the way he like casts his head down and he's looking up and he's just like oh he's so gleeful and it's like he's very easily to like easy to switch his personality when he's mad like when he was looking at technical boy i think he would make a great joker i 10 out of 10 would watch would buy (laughs) go see go to the movie theater i don't care so anyone out there who's listening to this who has any sort of decision making with that um for your consideration and i and Brittany and i definitely want at least 5% of the profits because we put the idea out there. Would you say, Brittany? They're like, here's 5 cents. <laughs> exactly. Here you go. Walk away. No, walk away. Oh, perfect. So good. Wow. We are really trucking through this. I am having such a good time. I can't believe that we're already down to the number two slot. Brittany, please tell us what are you choosing for the number two? I was going to say, if it's okay, I have three choices, and I am so stuck between them, and I need you to pick one for me, and I will I will go off with it, okay? Okay. Okay. Let's do this. Okay. Either one, Essie McGowan, two, uh, these are going to involve Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> well, the first two. Uh, the second one is uh, Sweeney yelling at the crow, which I will go further into if that's the choice. And then the third one is Technical Boy and Bill Quiz. Um, I'm going to pick 
Uh, I really have to pick the um, Essie McGowan one because I love that whole backstory, and please take it away. Okay. I, I love it because it's like the first time it's like, yeah, you got to see Sweeney. You know, he's at the bar. He's a very aggressive character. You know, he he's very like, he, he uses, uh, I was going to say, he's, he uses a lot of curse words. And I was trying to give examples, but I was like, the C word's pretty harsh. And he likes to use that word a lot. But, yeah. <laughs> but Essie McGowan was a good look into his past. And even though, you know, he wasn't hardly in it, it was the fact that he was in the background of it. It's like you have Essie, who that's always believed in him. You know, she loved the stories. You know, Essie had this, like, rough life. And, yeah, some of it was her doing. And it's like, but it first started with the boy giving her the necklace, him lying, saying, oh, she stole it. You know, she's being sent to... uh I can't because she was going to be sent to America straight away, right? Not Australia, because I remember there's like two different countries there that they were like, okay, you can go here or there, because Britain was kind of like that. But uh, I just—it's just this telling story, and I—it's very telling that the same. I, how do you? It's Emily Brown or Browning? Emily Brown. It's like that she's the woman that plays Essie too, and it's like which is very telling to why maybe Sweeney is softer with Laura. He like because even throughout that thing, he's caring less about the coin. It's more like, hey, we just got to get you alive. We got to get you very much alive. But it's just going back to the story. It's like how she you know, she's always believed in the leprechaun. She's always tried to give him an offering, but you know you can tell her luck is going bad when it's like. She gets caught up in her stealing. She forgets to put out the milk and bread for him. You know, it's it, it is that the leprechauns are very fickle, and it's just like the whole life story. You know, her going through her always blaming and bringing Sweeney to America, and at the end when it's like she's an old lady, she's still trying to tell the story of the leprechauns. But you know, the children are scared of her stories. They don't like the old like. I guess you would say I want to say Irish gods, but it would be more Gaelic, wouldn't it? But uh, yeah, I would say it's like kind of showing it's like the generations are softening; they're getting away from like the fear of the gods. You know, it, America's very different. These children are leaving, leading better lives, at least for some of them. And it's like at the end, it's like. Sweeney comes for her when she's about to die and it's like she's elderly and it's like he came for her and he's like you know you brought me you and a couple others brought me here and it's like it's kind of like even though you hardly see Sweeney except for the cell scene when she gets thrown in prison for stealing it's like he was always there like one step at a time helping her luck and it's like even though he could have been fickle it's very telling. It's like Sweeney isn't just a jackass. You know, he's had his own life. He's had his own struggles. But him coming for her at the very end when he's, like, holding out his hand, and it's like, oh, you know, they found her. She was still warm with, like, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, I find it very sincere. It, it shows very much of a softer side of Sweeney of just, like, I don't even have the right word for it. I'm stuttering today. Oh no! It made me want to cry though. It was very, it was very <laughs> emotional. Like, cause it's like, man, that girl's life sucked. I loved Essie. I love the end. I love that they used um, the same actress to play Essie because, as you said, 
it really was a nice kind of little like metaphor or something, you know, with him and Laura's relationship. Uh, and that whole episode is just utterly fantastic. I love the backstory of Essie. And as you said, you know, a lot of it was her misdoing and shit like that, but it really started off with a boy lying and getting her into that kind of trouble. And the whole thing was that, you know, it really just, it was a good episode. It was great that they were telling kind of the story of the leprechaun and how, you know, you should offer things to him and you can get your, it was all about luck, you know, still playing on that whole luck thing. Right. And it's like as soon as you saw that she stopped giving offerings because, you know, we don't really pray when things are going well. We pray when things are going bad. So when things are going very well for her, she was forgetting to put out pieces of bread or bowls of cream and things started going poorly for her. Um, I have to kind of mention, Brittany, because it's in the same episode, that if you really want to uh, see more of the softer side of Sweeney, you know, the whole time he's talking about how uh, as soon as Laura essentially starts decaying from her bones, that he's going to pluck the coin from her. But they get overturned in the ice cream truck and her stitches come undone and the coin does come out. What does he do? Instead of pocketing it and walking away, he puts the coin back in her so that she can get rejuvenated again. And it's like, sweetie, that was your chance. That was your chance to do what you wanted to do, and you didn't take it. It does kind of lead into that scene that, you know, I was like, oh, which one is this? When he's yelling at the crow and gay, like, he's like, I'm not a bad person. I'm not. And it's like, it's very telling. It's like, because some people may watch it and be like, oh, he's such a such a bad character he did x y and z and it's like he has general guilt about it you even see when they're in the ice cream truck and he's talking and the tear falls down his face it's like he he has a lot of turmoil in him oh and i kind of want it's so oh i love you Brittany. it's so fantastic that you even led <laughs> into this because i want to talk quickly about another scene it's the fight between uh shadow and sweeney right and if you go back and you look, and he's and Sweeney's trying to goad Shadow on uh, to fight him, and he's looking at the newspaper with Laura's obituary, he has tears in his eyes. He has tears in his eyes, and you're like, what for? And you realize it's because he had to kill her. He had to kill this woman who really had nothing to do with anything, and he had to kill her. And that's how much guilt he has um, weighing on his shoulders. And it's, it's perfectly exemplified in Prayer for Mad Sweeney. Man, I love Sweeney. We just need, like, a Sweeney spin-off. <laughs> we really, really do. Um, and I'm sorry to have thrown in that fight between Shadow and Sweeney. I had thought it was going to get on this list at some point, um, but so I just wanted to kind of throw that out there really quick because uh, that's a fantastic scene as well and kind of goes really perfectly with the Prayer for Matt Sweeney episode because you kind of understand a little better why he seemed to be so teary-eyed during that <laughs> battle scene. Man. 
I'm Very sorry, I just like sit there and right. I'm just like I just wanna rewatch it all. I'm glad I bought all the episodes so I could just rewatch them. Uh again, it's still in the background right now, um because <laughs> I just need more more American gods. But uh Brittany, we are down to the number one. I'm so sorry that I'm going to take it. I normally don't really like taking the number one spot, but no, I have no, been waiting. You deserve it. I have been waiting, and it kind of has to do with one of your picks as well. That's why I didn't want you to do it. Um, <laughs> but but before we go to that, let's go over our list really quick. Again, we are doing our top ten favorite American Gods moments from season one. Um, anyone who heard that, that was one of my cats knocking over something fantastic. The animals are... <laughs> are quite rowdy today. <laughs> I can't. I can't with them. Um, but with going over this list, so number 10 is Shadow making it snow. Number 9 is Laura and Audrey's interaction once Laura comes back from the dead. Number 8 is Sweeney waking up on the toilet and finding out that his luck is not there anymore. Number 7 is Chernabog and Shadow's Checker Game. Number six is two words, Vagina Nebula. Number five five is Mr. Nancy's introduction. Number four is Celine's, just Celine. Let's just put him as number four, everything about him. Uh, Number three is Mr. World's introduction. Number two is Essie McGowan's backstory. And number one, I will take over, is Bill Quiss's backstory. Um, first of all, everything, everything about this is amazing because you have Mr. Nancy first. It's going to start with Mr. Nancy because he's amazing. And he, what does he say? He goes, let me tell you a story. He goes, once upon a time, there was a motherfucking queen. And that wow. is just so perfect. And you have this fantastic backstory of Bill Quiz. And there's a lot. So I'm going to try and, you know, cut it down a little, but we have her backstory of her being worshipped by her followers back in ancient times, Um, and again, love the backstory, like, telling of Mr. Nancy, because, you know, once they all are done with their orgy, they all go into her vagina nebula, and what does Mr. Nancy say? He goes, well, there's worse ways to go, but so we have that. And then I love the transition because she has like an afro at this point, right? Because it's supposed to be like the 1970s in Egypt and it's transitioning into disco error. Oh, so freaking gorgeous. Her dancing, right? With that other girl, just so amazing. Love the feel of it, just everything. Um, and then, you know, she kind of has to leave uh, Egypt because at this point it's starting to get very bad, uh, you know, with the turmoil that's going on over there. So she comes to America and at this point I'm imagining that it's during the eighties, during the AIDS epidemic because her friend who came with her got sick and you see her in the hospital looking at her and you realize that at this point, you know, people are not just willy nilly having sex anymore. Right. Cause that's Bill Quiss's uh, appeal. She has sex with people. She gets them to have sex with her. But during the 80s, during the AIDS epidemic, that was not happening. You know, people weren't just 
going into that anymore because there were real threats. And so then her brand of worship is obviously diminishing. And then you see her um, just at the lowest of the low. You know, she's obviously homeless. Her skin isn't looking well. You know, she's watching through the window as ISIS is destroying. And that's another thing. They were using real footage there, you know, and that just makes it just so much more horrific. You know, they're using real footage of ISIS destroying her temple. And I love what Mr. Nancy says in the background. It gets me emotional as hell. But he says, um, he goes, uh, there is no, oh, gosh, there is no end uh, to the evil of men threatened by, like, a strong woman or something like that, right? So just uh, so heartbreaking for Bill Quist. And it's just like a woman who, you know, essentially people die by going to her vagina medical. But you're so, like, Sad over, you know, what's happening to her. And then just at that point is one freaking technical boy shows up in his limo and is like, I heard they blew up your altar. You know, I'm sorry about that, but I have another way for you to be worshipped and hands her the phone and showing the whole, like, essentially the Tinder culture that we have. Um and that's how you kind of see that it led into Bill Quist getting that date in the first episode because she was starting off with the whole Tinder thing and finding her worship. So I just absolutely freaking love Bill Quist's backstory. It is just effing gorgeous, beautifully told by Mr. Nancy. I love at the end of that when he goes to shadow. So what was the the moral of the story and Shadow like says something BS and he goes oh my God Wednesday did you find this guy at the discount rack he goes the freaking moral of the story is you gotta find yourself a queen so uh, that's I, I absolutely love the backstory there you know Brittany what do you feel about this and also kind of uh, I would love you also to kind of talk about Dilquist and Technical Boy's interaction a little later on in that episode because it does kind of coincide. Man, this is probably the best number one pick. Like, Dilquist is such a big part of American Gods, and to hear her backstory, and it's like, one, it gives more of an explanation of why, you know, when the Vagina Nebula first happened, it's like why she seemed kind of like, down on herself, not as confident, not as sure of herself, because it had been so long for her, you know? And it's like, to see how she used to be so strong and just, like, just being beat down, and it's just like, you feel so sad for her, because it's like, she is a queen, you know, she's a strong woman, and to be torn down by life, it's like, it's very sad to see and very telling of, like, the world itself. And it's like, yeah, her way of Worship does technically, you know, kill people, I guess. I guess would it technically kill them if they're just being sucked up in there or they just float around? I don't know. But uh, it's like, I'm trying to think of the words for it. It is just very sad, though. And it's like, I love to see her, like, kind of getting her swing back with, like, where she's, like, getting her. I'm so stuffed up, it's making my brain fogged. Cool boy with her is very telling because it seems like technical boy it's like he every time you see him he doesn't really have friends he doesn't really have anything he's just like a big pawn 
of the new gods. It's like, you know, Mr. Well doesn't respect him. It's like media doesn't seem to respect him. But the way he's almost playful with Bilquist is, like, refreshing. It shows that, like, yeah, hey, we can be buddies. And it's like, but whatever, she's, like, trying to make the move on him later on. And she's like, no, thank you. I don't want to be sucked into the vagina nebula, which is where that phrase comes from. But Bilquist is great. And I just love Nancy just, like, so in awe of her as he's telling the story. Yeah, that, you know, because it was Bill Quiss's backstory, but it really offered, like, a lot of uh, information towards the other gods as well, since, as you said, you see Mr. Nancy is in complete awe of her. Just the way he even is telling the story, you can tell that he has so much admiration for her. And then you see Tecla Boy, and he's a little playful. He's like, oop, oop. He's like, okay, here you go. Um, <laughs> but I love the scene later on where he's just like talking and she's just kind of like, oh my God, shut up. And he's like, no, 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 we had a deal. I give you what you wanted. Now you have to, you know, pretty much be on our side. And she kind of is just like, you know, you're a you're pretty tense, little boy. Let me uh, let me help you out there. And he's like, get your hands off me. I don't feel like spending the rest of my days in, the, in your vagina nebula. I thought that was just amazing. Such a freaking fantastic line. Uh, what does he say? What, what does he say? He's like, no thanks. Uh, honey something? He's like... <laughs> He calls her honeypot. He's like, he's like, hands off, honeypot. It is like, it is very, like, nice with her, though, in a way. It's like trying to lynch her, like, Shadow Moon. It's like, they're friends. Well, not friends. They're, he's more, uh, he's not as much of an asshole. And it's funny because, um, you know, there was an interview with Bruce Langley, who plays Technical Boy, and he was saying how it's probably very lonely for Technical Boy because, you know, as you said, no one really respects him. So, you know, this is kind of like why he is the way he is. Um, and, yeah, very playful with Bill Quist. I'm really interested to see if they have more interactions in the second season. I really hope so. Um but Bill Clips is I, I have a feeling, Brittany, that she is gonna have a major part in season two just because of all the promos. And I don't know if you saw, but there was one like promo picture where she looked pregnant. She was like at an altar and her she definitely looked to have a a stomach, you know, like a swollen like stomach, like she was pregnant. And I'm like, Oh, is she like giving a gift? You know, is maybe she needs like so many like souls in her vagina nebula and like <sighs> gives something. I don't know. I don't know what that is. I, I didn't know so. about that. That yeah, gets me really excited. Yeah, I, I, there. I'll after this, I will find the picture for you. But she is on an altar again, looking. I'm just like hashtag like woman crush Wednesday. I love her. Um, I think. The actor, I'm going to mess up the actress's name just because that's how I am, but it's like Yatende Bakati. Again, 
so sorry if you're listening. I do not mean to butcher your name. She's just gorgeous. Um, so she's looking beautiful, right? Her hair is down, looking great. And she has a dress on. I swear, Brittany, it looks like she's pregnant. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is going to happen in season two? Is this, is this the second coming of Christ? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Which one? Because there's, like, 20 in last episode. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my Jesus. So, yeah, definitely number one has to be Bill Quiz's backstory because she is a mother effing queen, and she gets the number one as she deserves. Brittany, we did a fantastic job going through our favorite moments of American Gods season one. We have a little bit of time left. I want to ask you, what are your hopes for season two? A lot more Sweeney. I'm going to need about 50% more Sweeney, like, mm-hmm. to keep me going on. I want, I don't know, I want to see more of the old gods, but I also want to see, it's like, how many new gods are there? I'm, like, also very interested in, like, I'm trying to think of a word for it. I want to see more technical boy. And because and, it's like, yeah, you get to see him like in the first season and everything, but it's like, I want more, I want his backstory. I want to see little baby technical boy becoming a freaking like the little asshole he is today. I need cuteness in my life. <laughs> well, I I'll really think that. Fancy. Yes, absolutely. Uh, from what I read, we are going to see different iterations of Technical Boy, Telegraph Boy, Telephone Boy, which will be interesting to see if Bruce Langley is actually playing them or if they're getting another actor. But, Brittany, we do have a few newer gods, um, not necessarily quote-unquote new gods, but newer gods to be introduced to in the second season. We are getting new media. Um, because uh, media, the actress uh, Gillian Anderson, is not in this season. So we get new media, um, and she's going to be young, and she's going to be kind of like the symbolism of, like, social media and stuff and all that, whereas, like, media was more of, like, the older type of stuff that we saw. So we're going to see an even new version of media. Uh, We get Mr. Town, played by Dean Winters, who is essentially kind of like the embodiment of the spy um, espionage type of thing, and he's going to be working for Mr. World. And we get um, Mama G, who is Kali in the Hindu religion, a goddess of war. Um, and I forget the actress's name. It's like uh, Sakina Jeffrey or something like that. I apologize for messing that up. But uh, we're, we're getting some new gods in the second season, and it looks just amazing. I agree with you. I need to see more Matt Sweeney. I need to see more Technical Boy. I need to see more Mr. World. Um, And I just need more hashtag sin in my life. I know. Like, I really hope this year American Gods is going to have another big panel at Comic-Con so that it's like I will Uh go every day of our freaking trip in New York. I will go. If they had a Monday, I'd be like, Tia, I guess we're going Monday. We're going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all of them. Yeah, unfortunately, we missed out on the American Gods panel last year at New York Comic Con. They announced it a little too late. It was on Friday. Brittany and I had tickets for Saturday and Sunday. Really unfortunate. Really hope that they have another panel this year. And from what I'm hearing, 
uh, American Gods is really in a good running to get renewed for a third season. Let me put this out here right now is my biggest pet peeve, my biggest pet peeve, right, with other journalistic outlets. Yes, there was some shit that was going on in the background of American Gods, right? They lost their showrunner. You know, two of the actors got out and shit like that. Although I think from what I heard, it wasn't anything bad. It was just that, you know, scheduling conflicts or something. You know, it's taken about two years. But shit happens with any show, with any movie. I am so tired of hearing that there was bad things going on in the background, right? Every headline is like, oh, things are a rumble, this and that. Every single, you know, uh, article is despite the bad things that happen in the background, American Gods finally seems to be getting a second season. Let's see if it actually works out. Or, oh, but I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Guys, stop, stop, stop with this lazy writing, okay? They have their second season. It is looking wildly successful. The actors all get along. They put in insanely hard work to make this a thing. I'm so tired of it. I'm sorry, Brittany, just keep ranting about that. But it's such a pet peeve. It's a it's one of my favorite shows and I don't need to keep hearing about it. Like, you know, you guys already canceled The Punisher and Daredevil. It's like my one thing right now, okay? I just like love the fact you're like, what? They're like, oh, so-and-so is at each other's name. I think that's what happens when people like are like, I want to talk about this one thing, but, you know, there isn't a lot of information on it. Now, how can we spice it up? Ooh, drama. You know, this is happening. And it's like, no, the actors are like, we're great. Can you just, like, fuck off for, like, five seconds, please? I really think that's what it is, is that these are people that are not actually watching the show. And they need, it's the same thing like you have those, like, tabloids that talk about, you know, the Kardashians. Well, first of all, I don't give a shit about the Kardashians. And I especially don't need to know every time someone cheats on another person or blah, 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 what, what have you. Um, and it's the same thing with American Gods. And I'm like, you know, move on to something else. Please, move yeah. on to something else. It's just... I can't. I can't. Oh, by the way, Brittany, could you have imagined if they kept up with the Defenders universe on Netflix, Pablo Schreiber? You know that I always wanted to have him either in on The Punisher or Daredevil. So sad that something like that will never happen. Man, Pablo, like, this is how great of an actor Pablo is. I know this, like, on the point, but kind of not on the point. Anytime, like, uh, with uh, Aaron and stuff, I showed him a picture of Pablo, and he was like, who the hell is that guy? And I said, that's Sweeney. He goes, no, no, it's not. He, like, forced into his character so well. Like, that somebody's just like, yeah, this is so-and-so. He's like, no. I also showed the guys that I work with. I was like, this is how big this guy is. And they're like, holy Jesus, look how big that guy is. He's a like, monster. Like, obsessed with him. Man crush. <laughs> No, seriously, it happened with kind of my dad where I, um, you know, I suggested to them watching that movie 13 Hours, you know, and they really liked it. And I go, you know, the guy who plays Tonto is this guy, Pablo Schreiber. And at first they were like, who is that? I'm like, well, he's the half-brother of, um, uh, oh, gosh, what the hell is his name? <gasps> 
Leash driver? Leash driver? I look for you. You keep talking. Okay. I was like, first of all, that, and I go, also, he played a story arc in Law and Order SVU, and my dad goes, who? I go, oh, this really bad guy called William Lewis, and he's like, and my dad's a big SVU fan, too, and he's like, no way did that dude play William Lewis, and it's like, that's how good of an actor he is. Like, I will put him on par with John Bernthal, and everyone knows how obsessed I am with John Bernthal and how I think the man can do no wrong. Um, he is on par with that, where that every movie and every TV show, he takes care to make sure that he is completely submerged in that character. I was going to say, that, that actor is, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce, like, Lee's. It's like yeah, L-I-E-V. Which is funny because, you know, Lee Schreiber was definitely the more famous of the two because he was, you know, uh, Sabretooth in X-Men Wolverine Origins. He's in that show Ray Donovan. He's been around. So I think that the general public definitely knows him more. But um, Pablo is his half-brother, and he's doing pretty fantastic with himself. So now that we kind of fangirled about Pablo for a moment, uh, (laughs) Brittany... This has been fantastic. You know, I, I had no doubt when I knew that it was just going to be the two of us that we were going to have a good time because we both love this show uh, tremendously. But it really exceeded my expectations. So I really thank you for being here with me, even though you are sick right now. So I do appreciate that. And for anyone who wants to know, Brittany is sitting in a car uh, as it's snowing around her because she couldn't trust the people around her to be quiet. No, it's okay. So, you know, again, again, my dog started barking. My cat started knocking over shit. So it's understandable. No, I, I've loved it. That's what I was going to say. Like, no, thank you. I've loved it. That's why I said I keep apologizing for stuttering or if I, like, go off on, like, a tangent on something. It's like, oh, your head's just stopped up. But car uh, working with uh, four other men in one house and it's like man they get loud they like to make fart noises with their mouth I was like I don't trust them I don't trust them within an inch of their lives I mean in general don't trust men no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> listen we praise Bill Quist here so I mean let's yeah. just you know um, if, if they get out of line just pop them into your vagina nebula <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. I'm like, how far can I push this? Um, so done with you. <laughs> why don't you take a moment to tell everyone about your Twitch channel that I am really excited about because I know that we're going to try and do something with that with the GVN. So please take it away. Where can we find well, you? I was going to say, uh, the username on Twitch is Itty Bitty Brit. They just have to have the Brittany at the end of it, but all one word. Um, starting soon, I, since I'm getting back home into a normal like routine again, I'm going to start trying to stream consistently. Probably about, I would like to do it at least five times a week, but probably going to start out at three times a week. I'm going to do a little bit of everything RPGs, um, MMOs. Just about anything I can get my hands on, but try to keep it in a good schedule so that people are like, I came to see you play X, Y, and Z, and now you've jumped around a million times. But uh, I'm wanting to do that a lot more, about to build a new computer, because my 
gaming laptop is not wanting to handle it. The last time I was streaming, somebody goes, oh, my gosh, it sounds like there's, like, a machine whirring. And I said, that is just my laptop trying to handle what I'm putting it through. <laughs> but oh, uh, it's going to be great fun. Yeah. But uh, should be able to start doing that soon. Just got to give it a couple more months before doing it consistently. But if you want to go ahead and get me followed, just go there. Because when I am home for those momentary times between, I am going to be streaming during then. If you want to find me on Twitter, Instagram, it's just going to be Brittany underscore Hegel, which is H-E-I-G-L-E. I always spell it because it's one of those weird, weird names. Um. I wouldn't say it's that weird, Brittany, honestly, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Brittany contributes to GVN. She's a fantastic writer. She definitely is in the realm of video games, which I virtually know nothing about. So I'm assuming that anything you said there is English. I wouldn't know. It was all. <laughs> but you can find me uh, every Sunday at 10 a.m. We're doing the top 10. Next week, we're going to be doing the top 10 uh, best moments in Game of Thrones because, as we know, the final season is upon us. And I also am a you know large contributor to Geek Vibes Nation, which you can find us on all social media platforms by just typing in Geek Vibes Nation. You can go to our website, gvnation.com. We got a lot of great content. We also have um, you know discounts and stuff for places like Funko pop because everyone knows that I love those dolls so much and we also have an affiliate code with Amazon so please make sure that you get to there and do that this has been a fantastic show I really want to know on social media what everyone thinks about American Gods and what they're excited for most about season 2 alrighty then uh, Brittany I'm going to let you go back to being sick and I am <laughs> going to and I'm going to go and try and make sure that my dog doesn't kill my cat. So everyone, oh. have a fan- <laughs> everyone have a fantastic day. This is Tia again for Geek Five Nation. This is Brittany, and have a wonderful day. Have a great day. Bye.